Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It's early in the morning for you. You're awake. You're still on London time. I haven't seen you on this side of 8 o'clock often. <laughs> Listen, Caitlin, there's something that I love about jet lag, and that is getting up early in the morning. I like it. Although, I'm still struggling to get up. I mean, let's be honest. I don't, I'm not a morning person, okay? I'm a night no. person. I don't have a kid. You have a kid, so... I'll, I have to say, every tennis player pro I've ever met and I'm sure there's exceptions to this because you'd like to tell me things like Steffi Graf requests mm. a practice court at like seven in the morning yeah but are most tennis players night owls I would say so yeah I, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they play often at night sometimes or you know they've been you know playing and practicing and their days are long and sort of and then they get you know at night they want to just switch off and watch Netflix or whatever it depends yeah. on the, the tournament obviously um, if you got to get up early, then that's a whole different story. But my, I would say most tennis players are night owls. They're young. Isn't every young person, like, hate getting up early in the morning? Yeah, I, mean, I think I that's know. mostly true. Lisa Raymond loved to hear that she was always up at, like, the crack. So there, there are exceptions to the rule, but yeah. they're, they're a rarity. Well, what did Steffi Graf do when she had to play, like, a night match? Do you just schedule your sleeping so that you're... you're... <laughs> she would, uh, yeah, schedule her sleeping around that. But um, overall... Yeah, Steffi just liked to hit early in the morning. I mean, literally loved to hit at 7 o'clock in the morning. And I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of fun. I had to, like, warm up to warm up with her. So, uh, so Yeah, anyway. I'm sure. I'm sure that's a pretty full-on experience, the Steffi Graf warm-up. Yeah, it's pretty full-on. Yeah. Yeah, you had to be ready on the literally first ball. There's no, like, pity-patter around for, like, five minutes. Like, I see a lot of these uh, – actually, most players now, they go up and they do the short-court tennis. Like, I don't think Steffi ever had a short-course tennis – rally in her life it was like let's go first ball boom <laughs> so yeah uh, it was uh, it was but hey listen I'm not going to complain got to hit with the you know arguably one of the greatest players of all time so anyway I guess that's what made her good I guess so yeah uh, makes sense alright so it's a couple of days after Wimbledon now we've had a chance to listen to other pods see the reactions get the feedback and as you noted somebody like Ash Barty who's made history as the second Australian to win a Wimbledon? Are you crazy? Uh, is that true? No. no. After Eva Evangelina? Third now. Come on. Oh, come, come on. Margaret come on. Margaret Court. Court ah, I don't count Margaret You don't Court. count Margaret? No. But Unfortunately, we have to count Margaret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, Yvonne Gulagon Coley, which is, you know, the memory that I have as a kid 
uh, is watching Yvonne win her second Wimbledon title. Obviously, I was born the year that she won her first Wimbledon title um, in 71. And then, and then yeah, some 50. Yeah. And, then, and then, um, and now subsequently, 50 years after Yvonne won her first Ash, wins her first uh, Wimbledon title. And kind of ironic, right? Fila did this, you know, specific dress for her to honor the 50th anniversary of Yvonne. And they specifically sort of put some lace in the dress um, which is what Yvonne wore when she won it in 71. So, yeah, but but as I said, like seeing Yvonne win in 80, 1980, I was just starting to play tennis and really getting into it. And I remember so specifically watching that final. And I just thought when Ash won um, her title, all I could think about was all of the kids that are aged 7 through 11 who will watch that victory, who will start playing tennis and pick yeah. the racket up. And so it's monumental in that respect for um, Aussies. Yeah. yeah. Well, I thought the point that you were making about this sort of um, what the scheduling now uh, requires of players is Ash doesn't get to go home and celebrate and be embraced and have a parade like we saw Matteo Berrettini <laughs> enjoy with the Italian uh, national soccer team yeah. because she's going to be on the road for another, what, six weeks, eight weeks? Another, like, 120 days. It's re- it's rough. It's brutal. Look, she's uh, yeah. obviously, I don't know where she is right now. I'm sure she's probably, knowing Ash, taken a couple of days off and gone and played, you know, 18 holes of golf every single day since, um, since she won. Um, and then she goes to Tokyo for the Olympics and then she stays on through the U.S. Open. So it's a brutal... Uh, and I don't even know. Will she stay on for Indian Wells? I'm not sure what that story is for Indian Wells yet. But, um, yeah, it's it's tough. Uh, she became an icon in Australian sports. She was already very well known, obviously. Um, but to win, win Wimbledon, that's a whole different kettle of fish, as we say in Australia. Well, talk about that a little bit. Because, you know, as you were telling uh, Chris McKendry and I think it was Darren Cahill on the ESPN desk, Wimbledon for Australians is in some ways even more meaningful than the Australian Open. I don't know how that's true, but yeah, tell me what that means to Australians that this would be an even bigger deal than if she had won the home slam. Well, we'll wait and see if she wins the home slam. Sure. It, that might be pretty special as well. But yeah, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to describe it, but obviously winning the Australian Open is, is tremendously important and you always want to do well in Australia. But there's something of the significance of winning at Wimbledon um, because it was so unattainable in your mm. mind, right? That you, you get up at two in the morning, you watch the the matches from Wimbledon on, you know, channel, for me it was Channel 9. And, 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 and that is like, that's Wimbledon. It's so, it's so big and grand and important. And then obviously to think about one day winning it, it's just in your own brain, it's unattainable. So Well, you've won both. And it seems yeah. like as important as winning the Australian at home, yeah. which... I think was your first slam, right? Yeah, your first I mean, slam was at home. It seems like Wimbledon looms larger in your imagination. Yeah, obviously. Look, I mean, when I won the Australian Open, it was my first Grand Slam, so it's hard to 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 um, sort of separate the fact that it was my first Grand Slam win. So that felt so enormous and incredible, and the fact that I did it at home. But then the thought of actually winning a Wimbledon title, and then I, I won another one three years later in two thousand and four. It was just if I could ever pick one Grand Slam to win multiple yeah. times, Wimbledon was it. And I don't, I don't know how to why, did, why Caitlin. I think because it was so foreign and so impressive and important to us. I don't remember getting up and watching the French Open. I don't really remember getting up too much and watching the U.S. Open. I would, but every year you would watch Wimbledon, and I don't know why we put such a importance on it um, in Australia, but. 
Everybody well, knows Wimbledon. I think it's the same here. I mean, I remember as a kid watching tennis. The first year I fell in love with tennis uh, as a viewer was in 85 when Boris Becker won. And waking up early with my grandparents and hearing the NBC jingle and yeah. breakfast at Wimbledon and the yeah. whole thing was yeah. so, so, so special. And yes, I remember spectating the other sports on TV too, but uh, the other events on TV too, but Wimbledon, for whatever reason, felt like it was so elevated. I don't know. Maybe it's the, the Royals and the Royal Box and the whole, it's just everything about it. It's just, it's just a tournament that is more special in a lot of people's eyes than, than, than most. It's the one tournament you see every player taking a selfie on the court. Mm-hmm going into center court and taking a photo. You notice that? Like every Grand, every grand Slam, the players, you'll get some random photos of whatever, but every, almost every player you see takes a photo or a selfie or an Instagram something at Wimbledon, whether it's Roger or, you know, Serena or whoever it is. It's just always more, sp- I don't know why, it's just always more special. Well, I have a really controversial idea coming out of this. Are you ready for okay, it? Okay, here we go. I've- no grass. No, uh, no. I think we should make the U.S. Open grass. Go back to the years when the U.S. Open, before 1968. It's never going to happen. 1967, because I think they had it on clay one year before yes. they moved it to hard courts at the Billie Jean King National Tennis Center. Grass. Make the grass court season all summer long. Listen, you and I would love to see grass every single tournament of the year, but it's never going to happen. So, well, why? Why? Explain why. It's because it's where it is, and it's on hard court, and that's the way it is. No, 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 no. That's, and I hate to. I, I don't, that betrays a real lack of imagination. Well, I'm sorry. It's, that's it's the way it is. Things are the way they are until they change because somebody came up with a cooler idea, like mine, to have the the U.S. Open go back to grass courts. I think it could. I think it could really work. I think it could make sense of an entire grass court season in the U.S in the summer it would make sense of something like the you know the Newport tournament that's happening right now which happens after Wimbledon even though it's on grass and then you have all these cool old clubs that used to be really really amazing like you have the Longwood Cricket Club in Boston you have Seabright in New Jersey you have the Orange Lawn also in New Jersey you could have the Philadelphia Cricket Club you know think about it yeah the East Coast Swing yeah the East Coast Swing it could be a thing again yeah uh, thanks, but no, it's not going to happen. Well, anyway, let's talk about some storylines, though. Other sure. than the fact that you know we did have an Aussie win, so I appreciate you starting the pot off by letting everybody know that. Well, it's also it was really meaningful. Yeah, she was. was the first seed. I think in the WTA these days, a first seed winning a tournament, much less a Grand Slam, That's feels like upset. a little bit of an upset. Yeah. And the fact that Ash Barty, nobody could look at that outcome and think she didn't deserve it. Yeah, she didn't play her guts out, but also her sort of, frankly, like stoic focus and at the end emotional sort of moment was cool like i've never never seen seen her her do that she won the french and we saw obviously she was happy but man when she won that semi-final when she won the semi-final to be in the finals of wimbledon you could all already see her emotion and i when i saw that after her win in the semi i was like oh boy like that just showed me like how much i mean we all everybody we know wants to win but that showed how important all of a sudden it was. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, God, is she going to get overwhelmed by that feeling in the final? And she did, obviously, in the second set, serving for the for the match. Although, yeah. credit to Pliskova. Oh. I mean, Pliskova really found I, some... I'm not going to, you know... you know. Yes, Ash was leading, and one could argue that she kind of wobbled a little bit trying to close it out. But Pliskova came up with the aces when she needed to. She came up with some incredible touch volleys. It's a reminder of how good her hands could be 
even though not all of the volleys she closed on famously there's there's a there's a that reaction shot where she kind of fails to keep moving forward in that backhand volley and beefs it and then there's a reaction shot of Martina Navratilova and Billie Jean King in the audience with their heads in their hands thinking like oh in our day we used to close the net we used to finish volleys off that was the funniest reaction that was I've the best in a long time it was so great but uh yeah, kudos to Carolina. She kind of has had a woeful year. I mean, for her standards. I mean, she made the final at Rome. But for her standards, yes. this has been a woeful year. She's been dropping in the ranking. She did make the finals at Rome, but lost 0-0. Like, yeah. who loses 0-0 in a final? That just shows you how good Shontek is when she's on. But also, it's pretty disastrous. And her serve has been letting her down. So yeah. the fact that she found her serve at Wimbledon was uh, good timing, we could say. Um, but still, I'm still a little bit worried. I, the toss, the toss on her serve to me is too low and too far forward, and it, you can get away with it on grass. But on other surfaces, it's going to be a continued problem for her going forward. But um, she fought really hard in this tournament to get through the final and came again, oh so close to winning um, a Grand Slam. That's two finals uh, losses. But uh, well, but, I mean, I think for me, my takeaway is, you know, again, the women's tour gets dinged a lot for not having predictable storylines, which again, that's if you like predictability, which I don't. I like chaos. I However, for me, the two semis were great. All four players in the semis certainly deserve to be there. We, we had three people who had sat atop the number one rankings, two with prior slams, and one was the number no, two. No, Angie Kerber. Angie Kerber. I loved it. Like yeah. It was so fun to watch two very, very hard-fought matches. You could see any combination of those four in the finals. And it felt like the two who made it deserved to be there. And then we got a great three-set match. So, like, that's a great, great outcome for me. That's yeah. that's a great tournament for the women, and I feel really happy. And I don't think any a single player on the tour is not happy to see Ash Barty lift that trophy just because she seemed so respected and well-liked. Yeah. And again, she came in as the number one seed and, and backed it up. So, And I'll tell you, Caitlin, she was really close to not playing. I mean, her injury was quite significant. Mm-hmm. Um, and she did not actually hit a serve from the moment she pulled out of the French Open to the Wednesday prior to Wimbledon. So for anyone who's sort of keeping tabs, it's a couple of weeks or three weeks, uh, something like that, before she actually practiced her serve. And as you know, grass, you need your serve. And she needs her serve because it's like literally one of her two big weapons, it's mm-hmm. serve and forehand. So the fact that she was a little – I mean, we hit with her a couple of days prior to the first uh, round – and she was not serving great. Um, you could tell that she was frustrated about it. We didn't really know why. We By we, you mean you and Sam. Me Sochek. and Sam. We didn't really know why, but we kind of took a guess that maybe that's why. But you could tell she was stressed out. And then she obviously had that three-set match to start the tournament against, Suar- uh, against Carla Suarez-Navarro. And, um, you know, she said she pulled up really sore after the first round because she hadn't done the training that she needed to because of the hip and so the fact that she was able to like win ugly for the first couple of matches and then found a form towards the end is just testament to you know her and her team and uh, Mel Almazolo. I give her props because she's the physio. The first person we saw her hug in the in the box after the match was mm-hmm. her her physio who works for Tennis Australia. So yeah, it was a team effort to get her to the through couple matches and then she found a way on her own on the court. And so I just want a huge huge congratulations to. To ask, but we had some great storylines. We had Emma Ranacato, what what happened to her, obviously with the, it looked like a bit of a panic attack and she admitted it the next day. It was all a little bit overwhelming. Um, I felt badly for John McEnroe. He said a couple of things on BBC and I think, you know, John McEnroe got blown out of proportion. John, John can say some off the cuff stuff and I don't love the way he mispronounces players' names and he doesn't seem to want to do the prep. 
That said, I didn't find his comments about Emma Raducanu particularly egregious. I mean, no. he just sort of... I mean, yeah, he kind of made it all about John himself. John was being John because But he, he was also sort of trying to, I think, in his way, empathize. Like, yeah, it's tough. Like, you get overwhelmed. Yeah, you know? I, I enjoyed that he said, you know, when I was 18, I made the semis and I'm glad I didn't win because it was a lot. And yeah. I went to university and da-da-da-da-da. So I, I kind of... I was interested in how he put it. I think he started out by saying something about that... <laughs> that Isla Tomlanovich wouldn't care less if this girl, what was going on with her. So I think yeah. he got off on the wrong foot there. So people were a little bit like, what? Um, but yeah, subsequently after that, what he said was actually correct. So, yeah. but a great storyline. Totally. Nice to see an English player get to the second week of Wimbledon. It's always great, especially after poor old Joe Conta had to oh, That was so brutal because I feel like and she Joe... has it. She has it now. She has it now. No, yeah. And now she's skipping the Olympics because she's yeah. got COVID. Yeah. I thought she was, if not a favorite... Then certainly a oh. real contender because she won that grass court title and her game on grass is brutal. I mean, she's got Listen, low hard strokes. She's five eleven. Like that's when a she couple things out, go different. That's a whole different tournament. When she pulled out, that was the section of Ash that yeah. Ash was in, and I thought, whoop, that just opened. I thought that that was going to be the most competitive matchup for yeah. Ash going into you know latter part of the tournament was to, had to play Joe in the third round. I think it was so. So, yeah, that was a shame. Um, well, you do hope that Joe Conta can sort of hopefully regain her health, regain her confidence after having won a grass court title and yeah. sort of look to next year and be like, look, when I'm, when I'm, when all, you know, pistons are firing, I'm a threat on this surface and, yeah. you know, hopefully have another crack at, at getting a, you know, a good tournament at Wimbledon because I feel like she really deserved it. Like she, She's a nice kid. She's hardworking. Her game is great. And I feel like we haven't seen the to- total potential yeah. of Joe Conta. Yeah. You know, and also she's a Brit and winning at, ho- at home is like something you always we want just, to sort of root for. We love having the Brits do well at Wimbledon because it just adds so much flavor to the tournament. Yeah. Um, obviously, Andy, what a great couple of matches he played. Totally. Oh, my God. Like, that guy is just so great to just watch compete and the absolute failure to win that match up five love in the in the third set was so brutal that was tough to watch um it was so tough to watch i was sitting in the bubble with like every other player in the in the like area where we ate our food which was kind of like a big cruise ship um food hall and everyone watching it on the big screens and it was just like it was torture for everybody like put it away already but so great to see him back and, and entertaining the crowds. Yeah. Um, I do want to mention before we talk about the men's, um, Dylan Alcott, yeah. your Australian... He's going for a Grand Slam of his own. Going for a Grand Slam of his own. This is in wheelchair men's singles. He is probably the best dressed man on the tour. I mean, this guy is an incredible fashion plate um, yeah. and he's having a great year and I feel like he could credibly get a Grand Slam under his belt this year. Is that, you know, it yeah. feels realistic. It's very, very probable. Yeah. Um, he, I think it's as probable as Novak winning. Uh, it's actually probably better chance that, that Dylan's going to do it. But, uh, and you know, and he's dating a sex therapist. I mean, this guy, he knows he's, he just... Dylan's he, got life He's got it going on. Yeah, but, he, uh, he's got life But can I tell you, he works so hard. I was around him quite a lot with Sam leading up to the Australian Open last year. And so we were on the practice court at the same time. We are in the gym at the same time. Or him in the gym, me just watching. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> oh, my God. Like, the amount of work that these wheelchair athletes do is absolutely unbelievable, Caitlin. Like, you know, they're in the gym. They're, 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 they've got bands attached to them on their wheelchairs on the court. They're, like, doing this, like, you know, all, all, the, all the work that able-bodied tennis players do it's just awesome and and i am so impressed with how good they are on the tennis court i mean he hits the absolute daylights out of the ball so yeah so that's a great story for 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 
wheelchair tennis and for Dylan that he's going for. Four, he's made, he's won 14 Grand Slams now, so he'll be going for his 15th at the French Open and possibly his own calendar Grand Slam. So good luck, Dylan. Um, yeah, and I was actually really excited to see South Africa had a finalist, um, Mont Jane, uh, this woman who also is incredibly well-dressed. If you follow her on Instagram like I do, you'll see she's a major sneakerhead. Wow. She lost in the finals, I think, to Esther Bergier, who's just like the Steffi Graf of women's wheelchair tennis, yeah. which... You know, just utter domination. Domination. But, um, you know, I feel like the, if you ever have a chance to go watch those matches, they're usually towards the end of the tournament because the draws are smaller. Um, I've had incredibly humbling viewing experiences watching just how good the tennis is. Yeah. Um, you know, and some cool results on the juniors. All of this is to say I'm avoiding talking about the men's final yeah, because why? I was so disappointed that hot beefcake Matteo Berrettini didn't make more of a... Well, I think that, you know, the good thing is... stab that at it. I, I think that he... It was very close, to be honest. I mean, he came up very nervous, which is totally understandable. Um, but, you know, he, he, you've got to be in those moments sometimes and experience them before you can learn how to win them. Yeah. And he's also playing against arguably the greatest player of all time yeah. in Novak. I mean, I think I at mean, this point we can say Novak is the men's greatest player of all time. Uh, there's, yeah, there's no doubt in my mind. Even with the tied Grand Slams, which again, to me, is not necessarily the measure of greatness. No, he's won it. he has a winning record he's against Roger. He's got a head-to-head against, against all these guys. Yeah. yeah the I only mean, person he doesn't seem to have a winning head-to-head record against, I think it's Andy Roddick, uh, I think like Leighton Hewitt. And Nick Curious. And Nick fucking Curious, who he's never <laughs> taken a set against, which is one of my favorite stats in professional tennis. It'd be nice to see Nick actually get his shit together and be healthy, like really healthy and actually work out. Somebody was like, who's the player you would take if you had to... Uh, if, to play for your life against Novak Djokovic. So if this player like, absolutely had to win or you'd die, my pick would be curious. Well, yeah, because he hasn't lost to him yet. So exactly. That's not a bad And pick. I also think his chaotic energy on the court really disrupts a, a Novak type who is you know, really resilient. I think you need just total chaos to, to who disrupt Who would the crown pull for? Because people either hate Novak or love him, and people either hate Nick or love him. I don't know. I would <laughs> love to see it. I would love to see what Let's kind of confused... Confused crowd. All right, we're putting it into existence. U.S. Open matchup. Nick Kyrgios. I don't care what round it happens in. Third round. Nick, Nick Kyrgios. get fit, get serious. Nick, get fit. Novak, don't deef yourself with throwing things around on the court. And let's have it out. Let's, let's see who the crowd it. actually pulls for. Let's in a manifest it. Manifestation of, of these two players. Because yeah. I would love to see them do it in Grand Slams. Because Nick has a 2-0 record against Novak, but it's never been at a slam. It's, it's best of three. I, want, I also want to see a rematch of Isla Tomlanovich and Ostapenko. That would be really fun. Oh my fun. god, Ostapenko. Okay. Well, I think our commentary about that got a lot of, frankly, positive feedback. Just because I think, you know, people like to understand the, the dramatics of what happens. And the truth is, there are a few players, I would say, probably equally on the women's and men's tour. I mean, if you look at Benoit Paire's existential performance art, going on yesterday in Hamburg, the, you know, the saga continues. So I don't want to put this all on the women for being dramatic because there's plenty oh, no. of drama. Benoit points. takes the cake for Benoit's that. the most dramatic tennis player, full stop. Of all time. Of all time, probably. But, um, you know, between... When you look at the court and you see Ostapenko or you see, like, Putin Seva, a.k.a. Poots, on the court, like, you know you're going to get some shenanigans. As Sloane Stevens famously said about Yulia Putin Seva... If it's not one scam, it's another. You know, like, <laughs> it's all, like. Hold up. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know, like... <laughs> It's all like it's always it's going down. Well, yeah, yeah. I put those guys in the same category there. So, uh, so yeah, I want I want that manifested. I don't think Isla will, but uh, probably not. But, I can't uh, imagine. She I had will. a great tournament as well, quarterfinals of, the, of Wimbledon. Um, so yeah, some of the storylines were really fun. I just felt like it was a really fun tournament, and the women's doubles final. Talk about drama! Yeah. Oh my god! Oh, yeah. One serve for it. One they had match point. Yeah, match points on both sides. I mean, Vesnina and Kudamatova were surviving in every match. They were down seven match points prior to getting to the final. Wow. They were down four in the quarters and three in the semis. That's nuts. They should never have won that semifinal match. Yeah, uh, and 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 Elena actually told me after the match. Yeah, we. We definitely should not have won, but <laughs> I sensed that they were getting nervous because they'd never been there, and it, that's what experience is all yeah, about. For sure. you know? And then subsequently, they have two match points in the next match and lose. And I kind of said that. I said, I think they've run out of lives. Yeah. This is it. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Luck can only take you so far. But it was packed, and it was so yeah. entertaining, and well, Chase that's what you Wade, get you know, is up the net, like, just... just running and making these re- great reflexes and Listen, Mertens just herself just and what a cool no pulse thing Mertens is cold as ice man she yeah. is she's gonna like walk away with the Olympic gold medal you know that's gonna happen right yeah, like all these like singles. high yeah. all these like high profile players are dropping out left and right it's gonna be like Elisa Mertens just kind of coat like just flying under the radar <laughs> getting Belgium a gold medal in the Olympics who is gonna win it on the men's side I have no idea because it well, seems it depends like on if Nick almost plays. nobody's uh, sorry, playing if not Nick Nick's not playing Nick's not playing Novak's not playing no Novak hasn't pulled out yet didn't he say yeah. he's not playing he's 50-50 okay which well means... if he's playing he's gonna win yeah if he plays he probably unless win. he gets like some three set you know best of three because if they play best of he three in play... the Olympics hey listen Sitsipas would have won the French if it had been best of three I know anyway. well but enough I'm gonna I, I have a whole spiel on that that I'm gonna save you from but essentially I feel like it could be exciting stuff going down at the Olympics it's gonna be fanless the oh, no. format's weird it's gonna be cool I was talking Watch to it our, on NBC and listen to me at 2 in the morning, please. Listen, I was talking to our good friend Carolyn Mano, who uh, is covering the Olympics with you, and she was like, ah, oh, man, I, I hope people still tune in. Like, I've seen a lot of, you know, negative coverage about this Olympics because obviously we're going to miss one of our most amazing athletes who legally smoked weed in a state where it was legal and then tested positive for marijuana after smoking everyone in a foot race. Like, listen, guys, <laughs> I smoke weed once a year. I have a panic attack and stay up all night journaling about aliens. That's not a joke. That is 
literally what happens to me when I get stoned, which is why I do it so infrequently. If weed is not a performance enhancer, if this lady is getting baked on occasion, cause like God knows she deserves to like have whatever solace she needs in her life. And then she's still showing up and smoking people in a figurative sense, then let her go to the fucking Olympics. If and I smoked weed and tried to run a hundred meters, I'd like take her on down like a pinball machine. It's like, bam, 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 my bad, my bad. I'm just, <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to get to the finish line. <laughs> she's, she's taking them out left and right. I feel like if you can do that while occasionally indulging in some weed, you deserve the gold Listen, medal already. Weed, having weed as a uh, performance enhancing drug in the Olympics is such a fucking bullshit. Okay. And, and, and the reason they do, oh, it looks bad for the sport. Yeah, okay. I mean, but it's, but legal. it's legal it's in legal. certain parts of the world. So, like, get seriously, like, yeah. enough is enough. Anyway. Also, the best, the whole thing of the Olympics is watching the best athletes from every country compete against each other. And if you're going to sideline your best athletes for something dumb that your own rules are dumb about, then you, the joke's on you. That said, How funny would it be if the winner of the 100 meter women's like ran over the line and then stopped and like put her fingers between her lips and just a little grass like, smoking? To you, baby. Yeah, that's right. Hats <laughs> off, guys. But I was talking about with this with our friend Carolyn Mano, who's going to be doing tennis with you. And she was like, man, I hope people tune in. I know the Olympics has gotten some, you know, dings, probably fairly, frankly, because it hasn't been handled well. And the IOC is famously corrupt like there's you know there's a lot of issues that said the idea that you get and i don't need to tell you because you've done it to go wait the olympics oh. weed. the idea that you get to go to the olympics convening among the world's greatest athletes put a flag on your back and march just that alone is so yeah, cool it is i it went is to so four cool. and it would meant, meant to me as much to me as anything i've ever done in my career like if you were to tell me i could have a grand slam trophy or a gold medal i would take the gold medal every time and i don't even know which country i would represent because i'm a dual citizen but the point is the olympics are fucking cool i don't care what anybody says about them i prefer the winter to the summer that Contro- proves that you're a canadian controversial canadian. opinion yeah. maybe but my point is the olympics are cool and i hope people turn in because what Plus i you win more well, in the, so, in the in the yeah maybe, but also I feel like the Olympics, you know, it's meaningful to people. Like we get cool weird absolutely. results. Like Andy Murray won two gold medals. The the Williams sisters have tons of gold medals. But somebody like Monica Puig showed up and had an incredible tournament, played out of her mind, beat Kerber in the finals, and yep. has a gold medal. Like stuff can happen in a cool way. Who's the guy in uh, Masu? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Masu doubles and team and singles. Teams coach Roger and of course Roger Stan and Vibrinka. Stan winning yeah. the gold medal and then like going nuts and that's Roger making only... fire on his body. I mean, I remember those moments. That's so the well. only gold medal Roger's gonna get is a gold medal with Stan Vavrinka, and I'm sure he wouldn't trade it for many, many things. Right? right? No, and I mean to see Novak walk off the courts, I uh, believe in Rio, crying. Yeah. Like it's so meaningful to play for your country. It's the most nervous I've ever been was playing for my country in Australia. Yeah. During the Sydney Olympics, um, there's no. I, my arms didn't stop shaking until I was up a set, six one five one on my opponent. So I was like, okay, I think I can start to breathe now. I mean, that's how nervous I was. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it means a lot to tennis players. So I hope that um, you know we we still get the great matches. And ironically, I think the Olympics provides unbelievable matches. Agreed. Um, throughout. So hopefully we'll still get that, and I'm sure I'm sure we will. Listen for me, and again. I like to watch tennis for the chaos. I like the unpredictability. I like the fact that somebody can come out of nowhere. I like that. Look, if you are, call it, I don't know, uh, Algeria's number one tennis player, maybe your ranking is not high enough so that you can qualify direct entry into any Grand Slam. Or frankly, probably most tournaments. So 
the idea of somebody like me watching you play tennis is slim. However, if Algeria descends to send, decides to well, send you have a, to have a certain ranking. You can't just be do you? Random. You can't yeah. just be like yeah. You still have to qualify. I couldn't under, like show up as like no. a new country that I invented. No, you still got it. You still have to. Um, you you There's have minimums. Certain, yes, it has to be. A, you have to have a certain ranking to get in, and then dependent on you know how many people they allow into the draw from a certain country, depending mm-hmm. on how many are in a certain ranking base. So yeah, you can't just turn up from some random country that you're not ranked. So sorry to spoil your... Oh, because my whole plan of getting obscenely rich and buying my own island and calling it its no. own nation and then getting to participate sorry. in the Olympics. I mean, I would lose in the first round, to be clear. Probably wouldn't get a point, but my point is I could just go to the opening ceremonies and yeah. wear, you know, some kind of... You just scarf. want free shit from your... Yeah. No, I want to walk, I want to walk in the opening ceremonies. The opening ceremonies are amazing. Yes, I know. Amazing. My father played in one. Oh, really? Which one? The Atlanta Olympics. Oh, I was, he was I heard your dad play. You heard my dad do a trumpet solo in front of the stadium as part of the Atlanta Symphony, which is where he was performing at the oh, time. I was there for that yeah. um, games. That was a cool... Well, it was my first Olympic yeah, Games. It was the centennial. Yes. Of the Twas. revival of... And it was hot as balls in yeah. Atlanta. Well, brilliant. Atlanta in, in late July. Not good. Swamp. No, swamp. 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 And who ended up winning that year? Capriati, right? Cap- no, didn't no. Capriati win Barcelona? Who won 96? No, Capriati won Barcelona and Lindsay won Lindsay, in Lindsay. Atlanta. And then Andre. Lindsay and Andre, I believe, won. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. was... Uh, I should know that, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and I had my, you know, period situation. I couldn't walk on the double squat, yeah. remember? Yeah. yeah. Rushed to the hospital. Well, for anybody who wants to understand that reference... Gotta go back. Go go back and listen to the archive, because your period can take you down when you least expect it. Yeah. Dick kicks. Dick kicks. Yeah. Um, I feel like the last thing we should talk about, because I always get, anytime I talk about Novak Djokovic, or don't talk about him, uh, I get a lot of hate uh, from Go ahead. people on the internet who are like, what, no congratulations to Novak? Like, I'm sitting here congratulating, like, We're getting there. Rafa or Roger on their 20th Grand Slams. I just don't care about the big three, and I think they're boring, and I want them to retire. Not because I hate them. You did them, say that to me. But time. I just, it's boring. Like, I, as if it's not abundantly clear, I'm ready for... Like I get new faces. I got. I don't go to a restaurant and order the same dish. Like I'm, you know, I do sometimes. you gotta, gotta keep it mixing Carbone? it up. Carbone, come on, you gotta have that. I mean, the spicy rigatoni, sure. But my point is, I they're too good. It's boring. So for me, like, great job, Novak. You won another tournament. Number one seed defends number one title. Defends his, you know, championship from the year before. Not unexpected. The fact that Chapo got two sets off of him in. The you know the prior rounds, the fact that Berrettini got a set off of him one day, he will for, for sure. sure. And Chapo, frankly, played better against Novak oh, than did. Matteo Berrettini played against Novak. Like not only because he got two sets, but you could see Chapo was kind of like what you were saying on the verge of figuring it out, like what yeah. it takes to play at that stage. He just he just emotionally needs more time. Yeah, well, he's, he's got so many uh, shots, um, and uh, he's the type of person. I say this all the time. When you have a good all court game, well, I mean, he has weapons. He doesn't. He's not really considered an all court player, but he can do everything. Yeah. Um, when you have that type of a player, it takes longer to develop your game emotionally and sure. mentally. And so for me, with like him, so many options, it's so obvious that he just needs one or two more years. I mean, look how great he was a couple of years ago, but but he just couldn't pull it together. 
a yeah. little bit more this time. He's yeah. getting even closer, and I just think it's a matter of maybe I'll say three years he could win Wimbledon yeah. for sure in the next three years. Yeah, he's got all the tools. Yeah, I'd love to see him play Berrettini in the final. Oh, yeah. that'd be great. Yeah, be great. And then my guy Steph, let's see if he can. Oh yeah, and Steph. There. Well, he was horrendous in the first round. But yeah. um, I mean, I feel like that's such an emotional letdown from the French Open, especially because they were closer than ever from you know this year because the French was delayed a little bit. The idea of going out and losing a heartbreaking five set final in the French yeah. Open and then turning around and having a grass court season is probably just like I can imagine why, especially as a Very young rough. kid, and you'd be Tiafo, like, obviously to his credit, oh, is Tiafo. such a great, exciting player on grass. Yeah. So, and he loves a big spotlight, as you said. If this had been on a different court, I probably wouldn't have won. <laughs> I love that. Guy. I love that he, you know, said that and he was walking around the hotel that night and like he was just the man and yeah. he loved it. And I love because I love him. I just think he's such a great personality for tennis, but. Um, but on Novak, kudos because the guy just knows how to win the big points. Yep. And, you know, I think the reason he doesn't get a lot of love as well is because, you know, he doesn't look as pretty as, as Roger. In terms of the game style? In terms of the game style, um, some people might say his looks. Um, they might look at Roger and be like, look at him. It's like put on a GQ suit and off he goes. Yeah. You know, and he carries himself a little bit differently. I mean, I will say this objectively. Novak is more handsome than Roger. Good for you. A lot of people will disagree. I know. Of, I think a lot of people, people will disagree. Some people will agree. So there yeah. you go. But Rafa, it kind of comes out with that attitude and that, the, like the bull, you know? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. It's just... yeah, I think it's hard to appreciate what Novak does incredibly well, especially if you're not a very, very close watcher of tennis, which is he turns defense into offense in, the, in a, a lightning flash. But because a lot of times he's playing defense, which to be clear is incredibly hard to do. But even his winners, Caitlin, like even his winners, like, Rafa's so obvious when he rips that forehand. It's yeah. like, yeah, you know, with the grunt and the whole thing. And, and then Roger's just so seamless the way he does it. And then Rafa's in the... Uh, Novak's kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. Kind of doesn't look like he's really trying that hard. Kind of doesn't look like he's putting that much effort into it. And then all of a sudden the ball's like, it's a winner. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of yeah. like, or he doesn't miss and he puts you into such precarious situations. Yeah. And his ability to get the ball back. I mean, dude, that one point that he played against Berrettini when Berrettini had an opportunity to break back in, I believe, the fourth set. And he slid and got this one backhand back in the court and then he ran up for that drop shot and he hit that angle. It's like he just, he's kind of like an assassin where he just slowly puts the knife in really slowly and then just kind of slowly starts pushing it in. And then right at the end, he just slices your neck. And then, boom, it's just, it's over. It's It's over. over. And you go, how did that happen? Well, I think what's so interesting about this time period is everybody expects, and I think now we will certainly see him surpassing Steffi Graf. He's going to get 25, I reckon. He'll surpass Steffi Graf at 22. He'll probably surpass uh, Serena at 23. I don't mention that other person's record because it's bogus. I think he's going to end up with... 25. So so it seems clear, you know, by Grand Slam count, he'll have the total for sure. But I also think it's a really interesting moment because now at this point, he's... People think he's going to have more than that. It's possible, certainly. But I think the, the real question is, so Rafa and Roger cannot threaten him anymore. No. It's just their heads-to-heads, especially in the last decade, have been pretty dismal. The yeah. last stand really was Rafa on clay yeah. at Roland Garros. And that went down. And it went down. So that they're done. They're not challenging. What really needs to happen, and you just said something really interesting that I want to make the point of, which is why Novak is so good, is the young guys, Titipas, Chapo, Mateo, whoever, have to win the point so many times against Novak because he's such an incredible defender, and then he can turn that offense on in a second, and you don't even realize how good what he's doing is because it's not very showy. They have to grow up 
to be able to challenge him. They have to understand that in that match, at that level, you have to win the point four, five, six times. And I think they will get there, but the gap between when they can get there, you said Chapo is going to be winning it in two, three years. Maybe Mateo, give him another two years. Team, almost there. Team? Team's got to find his freaking ass well, right now. Team's, team's in the bit in the wilderness at the moment, but, you know, he has won a Grand Slam, and he has challenged the greats in Grand Slam finals. Tsitsipas, like... I think these guys will get there so that they can solve Novak, but I think the gap between when they get there and now is going to mean that Novak's going to run the table and basically get yeah. every slam until they do. It's sort of like the way Novak um, was on the precipice often against Ruff and Roger early yeah. in his career. Yeah. Like it was a matter of time. Yeah. And, and then, then he once solved time them. came, it's just like then he just got better at everything. He got better. His forehand got better. His yeah. serve got better. And his those, fitness got better. His mental. Well, his fitness and yeah, but also he wasn't dying in like the heat because right. he figured out whatever it was that he needed to figure out. And so, so yeah, it's just a matter of time. I just think that he is just such a professional, and he just doesn't miss under pressure. He just doesn't miss, and yeah. he knows that these guys have to come up with something special over three. Uh, total sets to yeah. beat him in a Grand Slam, and it kind of reminds he's just, me. Of, he's just in that mode of like, I'm not, lo- I'm not losing to you, and anyway. yeah. I'm not losing at all anymore. Anyway. Well, it sort of reminds me of that period, kind of after Capriati, Henin, Kleisters, Lena retired, and kind of before the next gen of women really stood up and claim, started claiming stuff. Yeah where Serena just ran the table, and you got the sense that they were defeated before they went on the court because they knew just like. Novak, even though their games are not very similar, Serena was never out of it. You could maybe take a set because sometimes she's a slow starter, but at the end of the day, she's going to solve you, and you have you have to have the greatest day of your life on the tennis court, which is kind of how it feels like people going up against Novak. Oh, yeah. have to think about it. They oh, have yeah. to have their greatest day, and then they still have to hope that Novak has a not great day. When he lost, uh, when he beat uh, Rafa at the French, I said he's going to win the Grand Slam. Yeah, it seems like after the- he won that match, I said that's it. He's going to win the Grand Slam. And so he's three quarters of the way there. If he plays the Olympics, um, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, I hope... I'd like to see him play it just because I think the storyline going into the US Open with a gold medal to yeah. match Steffi Graf's in 88 would be... Uh, Steffi Graf, I, that's the only record in tennis that I that I hope never goes away because I love Steffi well, so much. Well, it's got a po- possibility of going away this yeah, year. Yeah, I know. That's why I, that's why I feel very ambivalent about it. Now, more importantly, mm. we're going into the summer here. We're going to have... Full stadium, and trust me, when I was at Wimbledon, we had full stadium the last couple of days of Wimbledon. It was so great to have the crowds back. We're going to have a full stadium at the US Open. We're going to have full crowds. I cannot wait to... I mean, after last year's cavernous nightmare at the US Open with no fans, and us sitting out in the ESPN desk talking to ourselves with, like, pigeons and, like, whatever the hell bird would fly behind us. I mean, there's nobody there. It was so hard. It was so hard to be there for it. Um, I'm just, I'm pumped. I'm pumped for the fans to be back. Um, I can't wait for the summer of tennis here in the U.S. And the U.S. Open's going to be raging. It's going to be so awesome. And, and yeah, I can't wait. And I think we'll see what happens with Naomi Osaka coming back through the summer. She certainly goes into the U.S. Open woof, with a lot of eyes going to be on her through the summer on for the sure. hard court. Um, we'll see who can come out on top in the women's game this year at, at the end of the year at number one with Naomi and, and Ash sort of vying for that position. I don't know. Krejcikova. What about Krejcikova? Like we haven't even talked about her. Like after the French, you know, how's her rest of the year going to go? Sabalenka, man. Of, Sabalenka. That's who I'm interested in. Sabalenka is a huge, huge, huge threat. And a lot of people I'll say, say right now, she is my favorite possibly to win. No, let me say that again. 
I think she's going to win the U.S. Open this year. I think that yeah, she, I do too. Actually. I think she will break through at the U.S. Open. It's perfect for her. Yeah, it's crazy. The crowd are going to be she there. She loves it. Yeah. She now knows what it's like to make a semi of a of a, of a grand slam, which is an enormous mental hurdle for her that yeah. she got through at the U.S. at the at Wimbledon, and she knows how good she can be on hard court. I and so she lot, is my favorite actually. One hundred percent. I'm glad you mentioned that because I think for a lot of people, myself included, watching her three set battle with Naomi Osaka in twenty eighteen. Oh, it's the best match. It was the best match of the tournament. Well, and I think I got the sense truly, and I'm not like a predictor type, but I got the sense truly like whoever wins this match is gonna win this tournament. Yeah. It was so yeah. seismic watching yeah. those two players play together and you know, it went three, seven like a had some chances in the third set, was I think up serving her serve oh, yeah. kind of let her down like those that she wasn't emotionally ready or you would say the same thing about naomi but naomi stays so calm yeah was was naomi uh, can be ice cold as we certainly saw later on in that final with all the stuff going on with serena like naomi can go to a very serene place and i don't know that sabalenka has that gear which but it's funny considering what's happened over the last couple of months with naomi off the court sure she it's that's the reason she can go on the court and shut it down i mean Steffi was the same yeah. monica sellis the same yeah they really could shut anything off on the tennis court and go and play but off the court the social anxiety and the press conferences yeah and, i get it um you know answering and asking getting asked questions they just were but the, the three of them were so shy yeah socially it's just why you don't see stephanie and monica like out and about like doing stuff right in, in the media yeah i'm sure they don't miss they that. don't like it yeah. you know naomi's been able to control her narrative whether it be you know with your magazine obviously with racket magazine and being the guest editor, that's been in the works for how long? How long has that been in the works? A year. A year. So, I mean, that's a year. That's not like, hey, you want to do this now that you've yeah. told the world you don't want to have yeah, anything yeah. to do with press? <laughs> so, you know, that was a year in development. And then, obviously, the Netflix thing, again, everyone's like, oh, yeah. She's controlling the narrative of yeah. that. They're, the cameras around her are often the ones that she is holding. Well, I have a whole lot of thoughts on this, obviously, and I'm happy to tell everybody more about the Naomi guest edited issue because I think it's probably a little different than what people are thinking. But let's save it. Let's save that. Because I I think it is coming out obviously in three weeks. Or actually, what do you mean? You te- what do you? What, I think you know. You're the freaking editor. Well, man. we're sending it to the printer, and there's always a couple of days when we don't know exactly which day we're going to be on press. In but other words, we're going to do. The, we're going to. We'll do a whole. We're going to do a whole that. episode on this in a couple of weeks. But um, my hope is we can get some of the amazing guests who are in the magazine to to be involved in that conversation because there's some really really cool creative people who we were able to get. Because they love and admire Naomi and they wanted to be involved in her world. So that's sort of a teaser preview. But I feel like we've done a good job of not only sort of wrapping up what was most exciting about Wimbledon, but also... Looking ahead. Looking ahead because the Olympics and the US Open are on the horizon. The Golden Slam maybe is up for grabs. Steffi Graf's 1988 record. Who who knows if Novak can go after it. But obviously he's the only person in position to do it. I think, he's, I think it's going to be the hardest one for him to win, actually. Because it is over three sets and someone can catch fire for two sets so we'll see um but he look he hasn't said he's going yet so yeah by the time this pod comes out he could be out of the tournament uh, but anyway um everybody thanks for like hanging in with us during the racket uh, sort of up and downs during the slams me being busy coaching and espn caitlin's running a friggin' magazine and we try and get together and do these things when we can well and thanks now, to do us in person we're in my apartment and we're doing it here so uh caitlin thanks for Thanks for a little wrap up. I can't wait. Can't wait for the hard court season now. It's all, it's on the we're, we're almost there. Yep. All right, my all friend. Right. Until soon. Bye. And that's it for this episode of the Racket Magazine podcast. Thanks for listening. Our host is Renee Stubbs. Our co-host and producer is me, Caitlin Thompson. Music by internationally renowned DJ Stretch Armstrong. 
thanks to Tim Ruggieri and the team at ACAST. Find us at racketmag.com slash podcast and subscribe to us at any of your favorite podcatchers. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.